When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. The black phone is hitting theaters this weekend. Should you pick up the call or send this one to voicemail? I've got my thoughts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to my review for The Black Phone, the latest film from Blumhouse. And this is the kind of movie that reminds you of why Blumhouse became such a successful studio to begin with. This movie is from director Scott Derrickson, who made Sinister and Sinister 2. He also made Doctor Strange and was attached to direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness before leaving in early 2020 due to those pesky creative differences. Derrickson reteams on the screenplay with his frequent collaborator, C. Robert Cargill, and the movie is based on a short story from author Joe Hill, who is a successful writer in his own right, but also happens to be the son of horror meister Stephen King. The movie takes place in the late 1970s in Denver, Colorado, a city that is gripped with fear after a rash of kidnappings from an unknown assailant only known as the Grabber. The Grabber is played by Ethan Hawke in a really terrifying performance, and Ethan Hawke is consistently underrated, despite the fact that he has been in one acclaimed film role after another for three decades now, over three decades. Hawk gives the Grabber a playful vibe, which can also turn violently evil on a dime. I was really starting to like you, Finny. I almost let you go. The Grabber doesn't just kidnap and kill for pleasure. There's a sick obsession and a ritual to what he's doing that the movie smartly doesn't demythologize, at least not yet. Mason Thames, and I had to make sure it was pronounced Thames and not like the British Thames, plays Finney. This is his feature film debut after a prominent role on Apple TV's show For All Mankind. Finney is kidnapped but finds assistance via a seemingly non-functional black telephone on the wall of the soundproof basement in which he's held. And the movie revolves pretty much entirely around Mason Thames' performance, even more so, I think, than Ethan Hawke. And I was really impressed with what he did in this movie because Finney isn't just a scared kid in a cell. You see him go through all of these different stages throughout the film. His fear turns into desperation. His desperation turns into resolve. Finney, as a character, goes through a journey in this movie and I don't really think it would have worked if Mason Thames hadn't been able to play each one of these notes as well as he does. It really is a great progression throughout the movie. Madeline McGraw, who's a veteran by comparison, she's been in several TV shows and movies, plays Finney's sister Gwen, who's haunted by visions of the missing children and eventually her brother, and works to solve the mystery before it's too late. Madeline McGraw has a real presence and a real vibrance from her very first scene in the movie. She has a real no-nonsense attitude towards everybody that she meets, whether they're an adult or a kid, and that really leads to a lot of the movie's laughs. This is a character who has experienced more at a very young age than a lot of the people she's talking to that are two, three, four times her age. It really is refreshing to see a movie that relies largely on a performance by young actors and you have those actors and a director who's able to get what he needs out of those actors in a way that transcends, and I say this a lot, the usual kid performances. There are plenty of fine young actors who can emote believably on screen, but there aren't as many who can actually inhabit the character in ways that this movie requires its actors to do. Both of these young leads are able to do that. If you try to touch me, I'll scratch your face. 
and whoever's coming will see and ask why. This face? I said the word horror thriller, and this really is much more of a thriller than a horror film. It's being sold, I think, as straight horror, and that's not quite what it is. There are definitely supernatural elements, but it doesn't rely on cheap jump scares uh, for the thrills in this movie, which I like because, as I've said many times before, I'm not a big fan of jump scares. Horror movies really put me on edge, but I was able to get totally engrossed in this movie and not worry about what, you know, boo moment was right around the corner. Yes, you have a couple of jump jump scares here and there, but they're generally pretty mild and easy to see coming, and most importantly, the movie doesn't rely on them in order to create atmosphere. This is much more a close quarters tale of survival as Finney is able to communicate with the kids who didn't make it out of the grabber's basement in a desperate attempt to figure out how to defeat him before the time runs out on him. And I think a big reason why this movie is so effective is it doesn't really concern itself with the why of anything. You don't have a huge expository scene about Ethan Hawke's backstory. There's no explanation about why this phone is seemingly a conduit to the dead. And I think it works in the movie's favor because this is not a movie about world building and mythology. It's very much about being in the moment, being in this situation, very intimate, very close quarters. I'm sure that if this movie is a success that we will get the inevitable sequel or two or three that explains everything about everybody's backstory in this movie, but I think this first movie smartly doesn't worry too much about that. And I would love to talk to Scott Derrickson, he may have spoken about this publicly, about this experience for him as a director, because I wonder if it was kind of a cathartic experience. He was attached to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, as I said. That's a movie with over 10 times the budget of this film. He left that movie, and he goes to make this movie, which is largely, literally about locking yourself in a dark room with a very small number of actors, limited resources, and yet he seems to be a director that is really in his element here. I love the aesthetic of this movie. I think that Derrickson has a great grasp on character and atmosphere. This is a really well-crafted movie. You see this a lot where a director will come off of a big budget project either that they weren't able to direct or that they were able to direct and make something a little more personal and a little smaller. And I'd love to pick Scott Derrickson's brain about this movie, especially after he apparently didn't get to make the Doctor Strange sequel that he wanted to make. I always appreciate a horror thriller that does not resort to cheap scares in order to generate thrills, and The Black Phone plays it pretty much above board. It sets up genuine anxiety about whether Finney can escape in time, and it also pieces out parts of the movie's climax throughout the film in a way that doesn't seem obvious, so when the movie's over, you understand why you've seen what you've seen throughout the movie, but it's not in a way that telegraphs, oh, oh, this detail is important, or oh, no, 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 you really need to pay attention to this, and that's also a great balancing act from Scott Derrickson is he lays these little clues and these little things throughout the movie that make it a, a satisfying climax. You understand every single beat of this movie, but at the same time, you're not just sitting there going like, okay, well... I know where this is going. It's really well pulled off, both on a screenplay level and on a directing level. The Black Phone is a small movie, which means that it is in danger of either getting lost in the shuffle or completely dismissed in the middle of the summer blockbuster season. It was actually supposed to come out earlier this year. But I think dismissing this movie or letting it slide by in theaters would be a mistake because this is as good a movie as I've seen all summer. I think that it's likely to be near the top of my list at the end of the year, especially in the horror thriller genre. It's well acted, it's well structured, it's an effective thriller, it's an effective horror movie, and it's a big recommendation for me. If you're looking for something that is a little not as overwhelming as the summer blockbusters that are already in theaters, The Black Phone is a great 
great alternative, and I hope to see it do well at the box office and also have a long life on streaming. I think a lot of people may miss this in the theaters, but we'll catch up with it at home. Uh, Just turn out the lights and really enjoy this movie because I sure did. So that's a big recommendation for me on the black phone. Are you heading out to see it this weekend? It's a busy summer box office weekend. We've got Top Gun Maverick, Lightyear, Jurassic World, so many big movies, and this smaller movie as well. We've got Elvis opening. You can find a review for that movie here on the channel. A lot of entertainment options, and I'll be covering it all right here on the channel. Thank you so much for watching this review of the black phone. If you want to see what else I'm up to, you can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash danmerle, and stay tuned right here on the channel for everything in news, box office, entertainment, you name it. I'll be back soon with another review. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.